Welcome to the Hot Level Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Brian Finley is with me, sports editor of the Union Tribune. I am in Houston. Uh, Padres begin a three-game series and a nine-game road trip that will also take them to Los Angeles and Oakland over the next 10 days. And none of it matters anymore in terms of what is going to happen in these games. The results just don't matter for the Padres anymore. There is still stuff to, you know, watch out for, to to keep an eye on, to learn about this team. Ryan, where would you like to start? I'd like to start with the two guys who are joining the Padres today. Uh, The Padres re-signed Jerickson Profar. Uh, He had played, what, three, four days in El Paso, had crushed the ball, as many who play in El Paso do. And uh, also, in what I thought was a little bit of a surprise, decided to call up, and you're going to have to... Eggie Rosario? Eggie Rosario. Yes, yes, yes. I knew it, but it still sounds weird coming out of my mouth. Eggie Rosario. Uh, Rosario made his big league debut with the Padres. Was it a year ago, Kevin? Yes, I believe we were in Kansas City. But yeah, he was up uh, like five at-bats. He was one for five, was up for a few weeks. Yep. Yeah, versatile infielder type. Uh, Kevin, where are both of these guys playing? And how much are both of these guys playing? You know, I think they'll play uh, a fair amount because they can play multiple positions. Um, and you have uh, Matthew Batten, who has played like every day for more than a week or pretty much every day, might be every day, uh, for more than a week. Like I said, not really the games. I'm not pay- paying so much attention like I, I normally do. Uh, but Matthew Batten has been playing every day. Uh, you can bring in uh, Aggie. He can uh, you can see what he can do in his second stint up here. Uh, remember, he broke his ankle last winter in, in winter ball, actually, not even in a game, but but uh, working out. And didn't start playing until June. Uh, up to speed now and, and see what he can do. Uh, Profar has played everywhere but pitcher and catcher. He was uh, exclusively a left fielder the last couple of years. Juan Soto, uh, his hand issue, uh, is it's a thing. And, you know, even though he has played every day, uh, speaking of playing every day, you've got Hassan Kim at second base or I guess at third too, uh, playing every day. You got Fernando Tatis Jr. playing every day. Uh, so there's all sorts of places uh, that these guys can fill in and that I think that they will have the opportunity to do now that I mean, look. You can say you're alive, blah, blah, blah. But now that it just doesn't matter, there's there's all sorts of ways to, to get guys' uh, days off. Sure. When the Padres announced last week that they had signed um, Jerks and Profar, the announcement was Padres signed third baseman Jerks and Profar <laughs> to a minor league deal. Uh, is anything to read into that, Kevin? Is this a position we could see him playing now that he's up? Or is this just going to be Jerks and Profar plays everywhere and it's a daily thing? I think Jerks of Profar plays everywhere. I, I, I mean, especially with Eggy Rosario coming up. Uh, the, like, I, I remember that, but I'd forgotten it till you said it. I have no idea what that was about. Yep. Uh, Rosario, my, my impressions from watching him last year, Kevin, when he first came up was big boy, S- sneaky, sneaky big. Uh, somebody who I watched play in single A, what feels like a decade ago. And, you know, it seems like he's somebody who's filled out a little bit. Hits, can play everywhere. Is this a guy who can be a big league bench piece down the road, do you think? Yeah, I think that that's what they're going to try to find out here. And then, of course, uh, in spring training, you'd have a chance to make the team. You know, Jeff Sanders does such an – really, I mean this – an amazing job covering the minors that I really wait until they get to the majors. Obviously, I I read what he writes. We talk. I talk to other people about some players. But, like, I I really – want to wait and see till I, you know, see a guy in the major leagues. And 
what you saw of Rosario was like, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see on, on Eggy Rosario. Right. He and, uh, oh gosh, uh, Pedro Avila uh, can, can talk about what it was like back in 2017. Because uh, it's funny, of all the guys who've been around, right? I mean, I think that they're the two longest uh, tenured members now of the, of the 25-man roster. Of the 25-man roster, that would be correct. However, like that, if you're talking about, ten, I know what you're talking about. Longest tenured in the organization currently on the 26 or now, 20, I guess, 28-man right. roster. Um, right. Yes, absolutely. Longest right. continuous, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr., Right, of the big league guys. I know there's a lot of turnover in the league now, but that's pretty incredible because 2019 was not that long ago. Obviously. Kevin, we've talked all year about the big four. Uh, Machado, Tatis, Bogarts, and Soto. Uh, The final month of the season is probably going to be about everybody other than the big four. Uh, Who in the last month of the season is playing for a job for next year? What position battles and what? Sort of, what are you looking for, or, or what can what can we gain here from what happens in the final month? Yeah, um, you know, having a guy like Tom Cosgrove finish out a year, right? Like, like here's a guy who was just a, I mean, when it was we were in Chicago, I believe, so end of April, just comes up, and wow, now you're talking about him going into next year as possibly like a a, a specialist who comes in in the seventh or even, you know, eighth inning. Wow. That's, but he's also starting to get a little tired. Mechanics are breaking down a little bit. He's walking more guys. So, but that first year, I mean, that's a huge deal. And so having him finish out, what are you seeing? Does, does Luis Garcia finish strong? I mean, Luis Garcia coming back next year seems like a long shot, but what, what do you see there? Because obviously it's a very talented guy. Um, and, and you do have, like, it's easy to say, Luis Garcia should be pitching for this team. Okay. <laughs> you have a lot of spots to fill in the bullpen. And there have been times where Luis Garcia is very good. I might, I may be prone to agree with you. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, as we're watching out for stuff, Matthew Batten, Eggy Rosario, um, I suppose there's a long shot. Do you want to have Jurickson Profar? The Jurickson Profar is very popular in this clubhouse, and clearly something was missing this year. Uh, there was no place really for him to play every day, uh, and he's the one who opted out. But, like, you know, I, 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 it's a long shot. But things like that, I think that clearly you bring up – you bring up Profar and, and Rosario, you've said we've reached a certain point in the season. And you also are saying, we don't have a lot of guys that we want to look at. Like, right. you know, it's not like we called up Jackson Merrill yet, you know. Um, you're saying we signed a, a street free agent and we're bringing up uh, probably not our best prospect that we could bring up. This is who we are right now. This is just where we're, we're trying to get to the end of uh, September, I should say, October 1st. Sure. Kevin, you just used the phrase uh, street or off the street. That's your NFL beat reporter thing showing, isn't it? Uh, I guess that is an old, uh, that is uh, one of those phrases. <laughs> Kevin, one guy who, who was a real bright spot in the Padres season and uh, won't play again for them this year, maybe not ever again, is Gary Sanchez. Uh, batting late the other day, takes a, a fastball off the wrist uh, fracture. His season is over. What did he mean to this team? And what are the odds of him coming back? First thing I want to say is there's another reason that you could see some of the regulars playing less time there. I mean, you don't need some sort of injury to a guy you're counting on next year. Um, He, you know, ultimately we have to start with 
any answer to what did a guy mean to a team is basically not enough because, you know, look where they are. But through no fault of Gary Sanchez's, they are where they are because he completely flipped how we viewed the catcher position and especially offensively. Um, yes, stolen bases often happen against pitchers. Pitchers, the Padres pitchers got better as the season went on, uh, holding guys, but Gary Sanchez's arm clearly the class of the position uh, for the Padres. And, you know, he, he, he changed that dynamic a little bit. Offensively, they went from worst to one of the best, especially when you think about um, slugging. Um, so he has 19 home runs since, uh, well, he joined them on May 30th. His first home run was on the 31st. So, I mean, just absolutely changed everything with that position. Uh, also, you know, obviously he was a veteran and a guy who uh, fit in very well. Again, wasn't what uh, wasn't enough. He hit 19 home runs, Kevin, in about three months. Indeed. Extrapolate that out over a full year. And, you know, these are the dangerous games that we play. This is a guy who could be a 35, 38, 40 home run guy. Some major league baseball team is going to make him a a, a wealthy man this offseason. Will it be the Padres? That doesn't seem likely. There may be, uh, you know, maybe they free up some some money um, some way, uh, trading Juan Soto, something like that. But, I mean, uh, they, they have Luis Camposano, and it's probably time to see what he can do on, on a regular basis. Um, you're going to, in a couple of years, have him and, and uh, Ethan Salas. So I think that there will be many opportunities for Gary Sanchez elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And Camposano, by the way, this is – to praise Sanchez is not to rip Campusano. Since Campusano has been back and healthy, it's been pretty good. Um, yeah. Somebody who, at the league minimum, uh, I think the Padres would be happy to roll this version of him out every day next year. And that's what you kind of, right, you need to see, right? Like, how is he going to respond here playing a lot in September? And then you're going to need to, dis, you know, you're going to need a quality second catcher, right? A, a 1A, because you don't know yet what Luis Campusano is going to do. He's uh, at, you know, 90 games, 90 starts a year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, can he do 90? Can he do 100? So you're going to have to have a quality other guy. But, you know, unfortunately for you, the guy you brought in uh, as a waiver uh, claim, uh, he completely outplayed you in terms of what you are probably looking to spend on a catcher when you have bullpen spots to fill, rotation spots to fill. Yeah, no, you're right. And you're you right. also do want to cut payroll to a certain extent. And I, I always want to say when I, I talk about this, I want to caution people. Like, they're not going back to bottom third, okay? Right. But, but like, third is is kind of – well, it turned out this year to be ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is not a level – and I've, I've been writing about this and talking about it all year. This is not a level at which they want to stay. No, Padres fans should not be holding out hope that there's a $30 million a year solution to their problems this offseason. And, and, and gosh, we should always have like an asterisk appear on the screen when we're talking about what the Padres' plans financially will be because, right. you know, they've surprised us before. But every indication I get from within the organization, outside the organization, is the belief, the thought that the Padres are going to look for some cost-controlling uh, measures. Sure. Kevin, you wrote a story about a week ago, and the subject was essentially, what if I were to tell you, 
that all these things would have gone well for the Padres this year. And then I would to tell you that they'd be out of the playoff race by, by late August. Uh, another one of the things that's gone really well for the Padres this year is Blake Snell. And you had a great story in today's paper about Blake Snell essentially learning to live with the fact that he walks a bunch of guys. He is, Kevin, as forthcoming and I think as sort of raw as they come when it comes to interviews. Is that correct? Uh, he yes. keeps it real. Um, is this a process for him? Um, and, and at what point did he realize, hey, screw it, I'm going to walk some guys, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad pitcher? Yeah, I think that um, that he has always had a, a, an abundance of confidence and especially has exuded it, has known his stuff is is really good. But yeah, the walks wore him down. I mean, we, we know walks, bad. It's a four-letter word, walk. Um, and, and you know, oh, this is this. you got to cut those out and you got to have fewer pitches and, and all this. And so, but I think he was kind of fighting with that. And Ruben Niebla, the pitching coach, and a big part of being a pitching coach is like not only like technique and, and all that, but it's kind of like knowing your guys, right? And seeing that one of your guys has a tendency to kind of beat himself up and, and maybe spiral and, you know, over time kind of deciding, hey, I'm going to impart to this guy that he's too good to be letting this bother him. Like, take a look at how good you are at run suppression, as in when there's a guy on base, you keep him on base and end the inning. Um, and, and as I wrote, like, one-third of the times he was walked a guy in his last 19 starts, these 19 starts where he has a 1-3-1 ERA, fifth-best ERA over a 19-start stretch since 2000. Um, I mean, this is a really quality three months that he's three and a half months, whatever it is that he's put together. Uh, during that time, he struck out one-third of the batters that have come after a walk. Uh, three more guys have grounded into a double play. Only 8%, I think it's is it five of those 62 walks have ended up scoring? 8% is like one-third of the league average. Um, this guy does not give up hits. Um, of the hits he has given up uh, after a guy, when a, when, after a uh, player reaches on a walk, one has been an extra base hit. It was a double. So, like, Blake, know this about yourself and move on from a walk. Also, Go ahead and walk Wilmer Flores. He's the only guy in the Giants lineup that's hitting. Move on to the next guy. You know you do well against this guy. So, um, you know, really, I was, I was like, oh, okay, gotcha. And Blake had been talking about this for a while. Um, and then I looked at the stats. And then I timed it with when um, I knew that, like, Niebla had sort of said that, oh, my gosh, it was 19 starts ago. And it flipped. It flipped from – what the, the batter afterward uh, on-base percentage was, batting average was, how many runs were scoring. It, it was like rarely do you see when a light bulb moment turns into a guy changing uh, sure. you know, physically and tangibly. Sure. And anybody who's played or, or even helped out uh, in Little League knows that a walk's as good as a hit. But a walk is only – it's no better than a single, right? If, you, if, if we talked about him giving up, a similar amount of singles and guys weren't going anywhere once they got on first base. It almost wouldn't be a story. Almost. It would be interesting. At some point, I you're, you're correct. I suppose at some point we'd realize, hey, this guy's batting average against is 300, yet he has a 2.5 ERA. Wow. But you're right. The walks, because here's the thing, and I'm always pushing back on, on, on Blake. 
But what if you didn't take 26 pitches in that one inning a game and you could go seven or eight or the elusive complete game? And he has just, I'm not going to say given up, but he has just sort of set that aside as a goal, right? He's gone back and forth on that over the years that he's been here and that I've talked to him. He sort of set that aside as a goal. He's going to pitch. And Blake, Blake is a pitcher as much as, I mean, as much as Michael Walker is, as much as Seth Lugo is, and they don't have the stuff he has, so they have to be those pitchers, right? That's what you respect about them. Blake is all about setting up the hitter, reading his swing, him and his catcher getting inside of the hitters. Blake is very much about that. He also strikes out a lot of guys. So it's going to take a lot of pitches. And if somehow he gets through and he goes seven, he goes eight, um, which, yes, you'd love to see that. Um, it may end up costing him the Cy Young. I don't know how voters are going to um, vote on that. You know, the, the innings comparison, maybe. Mm-hmm. Though his next, he has more innings uh, than his next closest competitor, Justin Steele of the Cubs. Uh, but, and his, I believe, Blake's war is higher. His pitching war is higher. Uh, but, He's just kind of accepted this is who he is. And and to be honest, look, I know people get upset at the quality start. They get upset that guys don't go eight and nine anymore. You know, I I remember earlier this year I did, I looked at it, going five innings and giving up one or zero runs by a starter. Your team wins more than 60% of the time. That's five innings. That's that's five. Just got to go five. Yeah. Right. Six innings and just a quality start, it's it's like 65, 68% your your team ends up winning. Um, so I didn't I don't know what it is, but it's gotta obviously be better. You go six shutout innings, which Blake has gone, six or seven shutout innings. Uh, what is it, seven times this year, which is second most in the majors. So, like, this is just who he is. And, and you know, rather than us being like that as a backhanded compliment, uh, let, let's let's say, man. This guy might win his second year uh, Cy Young. Yeah. No, you're right. And again, Blake Snell's 30, Kevin. Uh, he's been in the yep. big leagues uh, most of it's his 20s. Prime. Yep. And, and I think at some point, too, and pardon me if I'm going to get a little too big picture here. I, I think when you cross that 30 line at some point, just as a person, you sort of know that you are who you are. And for better or worse. And Blake Snell is a very good pitcher who's not going to have a whole lot of complete games. And just like Gary Sanchez... Here in about six weeks, somebody's going to make him a very, very, very rich man, uh, richer than he already is. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. You know, uh, set aside the other stuff that you uh, may know or, or whatever about Trevor Bauer. I think there's some similarities there in terms of six shutout. That's kind of like what you characterize them by. Um, and, you know, had a really good walk year and then got a kind of like a almost like a sort of long-term prove it to get a better contract from the Dodgers. Right. Yeah. Like it was a huge money, but Mm -hmm. for one year with like Mm -hmm. a couple more options on it and then everything kind of went the heck there. But I wonder what Blake's going to get. I really do. Um, I, 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 I think it's going to be a lot. I don't know for how long. Um, I don't know if it's one of those where like eight years. Right. But I think it's going to, you know, essentially it's going to break the bank. And that's why again, I don't think you're going to see uh, Blake here. Sure. Are, are we thinking like 22, 25 a year, something like that? It's really going to be about well, then what are the years? Because uh, yeah. if it's shorter, I don't think that's enough probably. Yeah. Uh, from one left-hander to another, Kevin Rich Hill, who's been admittedly terrible uh, as a starting pitcher, uh, he may not be a part of the Padres pitching plans the rest of the way. Uh, what do you make of him? 
Yeah, I think they need innings. So um, I don't know that we're looking at him not being on the team. Uh, it certainly is a possibility. You're going to see Matt Waldron on Sunday. So, uh, No, Matt Waldron. Um, I, I had a chance. I'll be honest with you, Kevin. I hadn't watched much of Matt Waldron until, uh, what was it, Monday um, when he pitched last. This is a guy with a compelling mix of stuff, and they talk about it on the TV and on the radio broadcast, and we've written about it a little bit. That knuckleball is so unique that it's surprising he throws it as rarely as he does. Could you see him using it more? Great and, point. You know, could he be a knuckleball pitcher a year from now as opposed to a dude with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and a knuckleball? Yeah, you know, uh, I think that's like an obvious thing, right? Like, right. like Jess Sanders and I have talked about this too, and I haven't really because, you know, Matt Waldron, right? Like, um, I got a lot of other things going on covering this team, but I, I definitely need to talk to people about that because it seems rather obvious, right? Like, yes. like that you just – you got to have another pitch to keep people honest, sure. but your pitch that works is – and makes the other pitch even, you know, makes the other pitch not a batting practice pitch is your knuckleball. And you probably need to throw that more. So it's really interesting there. Yeah, I think that's I think it's a really good question. Yeah, I think he's a compelling dude. I mean, this is somebody who, you know, again, if he finishes strong, he could be competing. I know he's a starting pitcher. Let's talk about bringing him out of the bullpen. What if he came out of the bullpen in the sixth throwing a knuckleball like talk about you don't know you can't you can't prepare for that that's yeah i mean you know as if you can prepare for a knuckleball if you've never seen it before anyway but uh yeah or if he comes in the middle of an inning it's like oh and here comes a guy with a knuckleball like i think it's probably more likely that pedro avila is is fighting for your number five or six but look seth lugo could be gone michael walker could be gone blake snell could be gone uh, you, your two best pitchers, you have health uh, things like Matt Waldron could end up throwing you some significant innings next year. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, whether that's in a long relief role or a mop up role or some other, some other role, <laughs> Kevin, we're, we're running out of time here a little bit. We're coming up against the 30 minute mark. Um, again, simply because we're sort of out of left field today, you're embarking on a, what is it? Nine game and 10 day road trip. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do this? I mean, just from a, from a practicality standpoint, do you get your hair cut at home on the road? Do you, what do you pack? I think some of our listeners want to know how you make all this work. Um, I did get a haircut this last time at home, though I got one in Pittsburgh earlier this year. There have been years where it happens far more often uh, on the road just because you get so busy. I mean, not I mean, you asked, so I'll answer like during this this year, it's like getting taking care of yourself and your own stuff, like Mm -hmm. be it laundry. And that sort of is like the bills, whatever it is you have to do, Uh, you know, just as if my wife would ever care what I do if she were listening. I don't do the bills. She does. I don't want to take any, but uh, it's really, yeah, it all kind of falls apart on you during the season. Everything. I always joke um, that during the off season, you know, I eat really well and all that. I, I eat like I hate myself Uh, until now this past week, I said to my, this is, I'm laughing at myself because it's such a pattern. Um, I started to eat good again. And I do the final month of the season. I don't care what it is, cut out the carbs and go, but like, by June, usually, I'm like, well, I had a donut yesterday. Why don't I have two donuts today? That's uh, that's how it is on the road. Um, yeah, look, I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of, uh, of, of my job is the unpredictability of each day while 
Each day is the same. Yeah. Like, I love that. One of the things I hated about being a columnist, what am I going to do today? I also didn't like that you're not really an expert on anything, but you kind of have to be one. And that, I, that just, that's not me. But I love that every day is the same. I have to think about what's today. Where am I? But then every day has the potential to be very different. Right. Well, and you've, well, and you've covered football, right? So I, I you know, came up covering football too. Football travels different. Football travels the weekend. It's infrequent. It's every other week, let's say, or at least, you know, just half the weekends in your season. I always thought football travel was fun, was I'm jumping on a plane. The work is done for the week. Let's go cover a football game. Then let's fly home. Um, That's a little bit different from it's Wednesday and you're in Milwaukee. Right. Yeah. And you've got to make up, you got to make flights and all that. I mean, it is, look, it's a, there's no other word for it. It's the one the players use. It's a grind. It chews you up. Uh, and there are a couple players that are sometimes interested uh, and, and they marvel at, you know, because no one carries my bags. No one delivers my bags to my room. The plane doesn't wait for me when the game goes long or whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's no police escort. Uh, and they're, they're kind of like, wow, really? You do that? It's just funny to me how like, that's like this revelation to them. Uh, though I do appreciate that, uh, you know, the ones who care, because you know, most of them don't. Uh, so, you know, that's interesting. But yeah, it's, it, this is this job is so much fun, but it is what I do and how worn out and tired and, and just, as you know, sometimes on the edge of insanity I am is why I always say, just find a job you love. Because some days it, it, it'll come close to like, you're going to think you're going to die. Right. Uh, so you better love it for those days that you hate it. Right. Absolutely. When was the last time you checked a bag? Long, long time ago. You know, I used to, I, I suited up for NFL games and they were nice suits, my friend. So uh, I'm right to the end. I, I wore, I think I checked though. I will say this. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to, reach a certain status on an airline when you travel as much as I do. So I suppose now, if even if I were doing the NFL, though then I wouldn't be traveling as much, I could have them hang my um, my suit. Right. But uh, you know, this trip, well, this trip's easy because I go back to LA, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really like three trips almost before you mm -hmm. go to Oakland. But I have done a couple of the, um, well, I did a 16-day trip this year, the mm -hmm. one that had the all-star break with a carry-on. You wow. just become a good packer, man. Love it. Love it. That'll be our next episode will be Kevin AC luggage recommendations and travel tips. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for asking, Ryan. Wow, that was really nice. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, the Padres play the Astros in the three-game series that starts tonight uh, in Houston. Kevin, you are there. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin AC, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.